are listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association, generously sponsored by Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Hello, my name is George Ramsbottom and I'm the President of the Agricultural Science Association. In this episode of Experts in Their Field, we've three short interviews with some of the speakers from the third session at the conference, John Egerton, Siobhan Walsh and Thomas Ryan, and a slightly more extended interview with Professor John Roach from the Ministry of Primary Industries in New Zealand on the initiatives that New Zealand is taking to reduce its carbon footprint. The purpose of the interviews is to give you a flavour of some of the speakers and their backgrounds at the conference on Thursday the 8th of September. I hope you enjoy it. In this short podcast, I'm joined by John Egerton from County Fermanagh who's a suckler, sheep, and beef farmer up in that part of the world. John, where exactly are you from in County Fermanagh, first of all? Yeah, I'm from a little village called Rossley. It's just on, on the Monaghan border. We're about three miles from Clonestown. John, you're one of our, our speakers at the conference on the third panel uh, discussion that's taking place. And you've a major emphasis on your farm on sustainability and maybe succession as well. Let's just maybe give us a bit of a pen picture about your farm. So what kind of enterprises and what scale of enterprises are you carrying out on your farm, John? Yeah, um, I have 90 suckler cows, uh, split calvin, uh, 45 calves in the springtime and 45 in the autumn time. Uh, Female progeny are are bred as replacements and and sold to other farmers. Male progeny Mm -hmm. is finished as bull beef under 16 months. We have 260 breeding ewes, uh, the alarm uh, March-April. Uh, we have a blade calf rearing enterprise, which uh, we contract rear about 450 calves a year for ABP. Uh, we, we have them for about 12 weeks. They come in at three weeks of age and leave about 15 weeks of age. Okay. So you have a fairly busy schedule going on there, John, on your, on your farm all the time. Who's on the farm with you, John, or who's doing most of the work besides yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, I have, I have three sons, and, and they all want to farm. And uh, it, that really is what drives us. We're trying to make a farm that it will be sustainable enough to sustain myself and my three sons. We're not quite there yet. We're, we're on a pathway to, to that. Uh, the wife helps me out as well. So it's, it's all family work. Um, we don't bring in any labour if we can help it. Okay. You, usually what you find is that your one's better half is is a lot more pivotal to the whole uh, enterprise than maybe we think ourselves, John. Look yeah. at um, we've I'm sure Elizabeth's a huge, huge part of the enterprise. Look at John, we're, we're really looking forward to hearing a bit more from you on the at the conference on September the 8th. And uh, many thanks for, for talking to us here this morning. Yeah, that's no problem, George. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're joined in this uh, little podcast, or short podcast, by Dr. Siobhan Walsh. Uh, Siobhan's a near neighbour of my own. Um, she's from Stradley in County Leash, and she's operating a tillage farm over uh, over there. Siobhan, if I start, first of all, maybe just tell us a little bit about your, your background in terms of education, um, why ag, and how, you, how did you get into ag science? Yeah, well, as you said, George, um, from County Leash and, and from a farm here at home, and I, I farm with my family um, here at the minute, we've tillage and beef, and 
I suppose I always loved farming growing up and, and was always out um on the farm, whether it was picking stones or wild oats or, or sitting on the combine. So um no, just always always loved it growing up and, and luckily then went to study it in college. So um went to went to UCD um to do animal and crop production and and stayed in college then. I was a bit of a forever student. I always said I'd never do a PhD, but um so I, I did my master's out in lines um my master's on minimum tillage it was all all tillage research like um minimum tillage and straw incorporation actually so something that came in very handy in recent years and oh, went oak, yeah exactly um and went to oak park then to do a phd on soil and nitrogen supply from tillage crops so testing testing the soil after after crops to see what nitrogen was left over and I suppose I stayed in in research but because I liked all of the topics that I was doing and I think that's I think that's very important for people you know if they are you know thinking of going to study something or going to further their education you re I, I think you really have to enjoy the topic that you're studying and and that's why I stayed in research the the PhD that I did I was I had 120 plots around the country over the three years so I was working with farmers um on the ground and and I suppose getting to meet farmers was a big part of the work so it was really enjoyable yeah. to do it. So I suppose if, you, if it fits in very neatly with the work that you're doing now with the Irish Farmers Journal Siobhan doesn't it? Yeah exactly. yeah yeah exactly so um, I'm the farm sustainability specialist with the Farmers Journal now and um, like you know I, I work with farmers all the time and that but we have a, a program there as well the Footprint Farmers Program um, and within that program we have tillage dairy beef and sheep farmers and we're working with those farmers to try and improve their their farm sustainability so you know when I talk about farm sustainability I mean economics environment and social so you know that the farm has to be making money, money while it's looking after the environment and making sure that the fa the farmer and the, the farmer's family have a good quality of life as well. So we often say what's good, good for your pocket can be good for the environment. And that's what sustainability yeah. is all about, like, you know, doing the simple things right. And that's very much what that program is about. And what we try to put across in the paper is that, yep. you know, do the, do simple things and they can make a big difference on your farm, you know things like yep. test and slurry or test and silage or whatever it may be. So it's it's really, really, really good to to work with with that group. And I suppose keep up to date all the time with, with all the new research like yourselves are doing in Jagus, George. OK, what would you say, Siobhan, is the most challenging part of your of your role with the journal? Um, I'd, I'd probably say like at, at the minute, and it's probably challenging in all sections of agriculture is, you know, the whole climate change debate and and how we're that that challenge that faces us ahead of it and and I suppose yeah. the scrutiny that farmers are under and, and agriculture in general is under and you know something something I'm always trying to get across and we we had a open days there lately with the journal the, the tribe open day and the Tullamore farm open day and one thing I was yeah. trying to do to farmers is you're doing so much good on your farms you have to get that story across now you know you have to explain if you're down the pub or you're chatting after mass or something and someone says oh god you were spreading slurry and it's stinking you know explain that you're using a low emission spreader and i'm actually reducing emissions and helping the environment i think that's one of our jobs now as farmers as we as we face into the challenge of that climate change debate okay and what then your controversy is the most enjoyable part of your job Siobhan? oh i i love going out to farmers i love 
I suppose getting a nose into different farms, George, but but seeing the innovation that's on on farms. Farmers are just so innovative and they're always thinking of new tricks and trying new things on their farms. And I just love to go out and see those farmers that are are trying to make it make a difference and just you know they might be make do making a difference to make money it just might be something simple to to make their life a bit easier every time you go out to a farm you learn something so um that's definitely one of the best parts of the job well listen thank you very much for for just taking this short interview with us there this morning um i suppose it's your expertise from an environmental perspective and your experience as working as a tillage farmer in your own right that's why we selected you to join our farmer facing agri-professional panel at the ASA annual conference. Now that conference will take place on the 8th of September at the Lyrath Hotel Kilkenny. Thanks very much, Siobhan, thank you. Thanks, George, looking forward to it. So at the conference in the third session, one of our panelists is Thomas Ryan. Thomas is a senior sustainability manager with Glanbia. And uh, I'd like to welcome you to our little podcast here, Thomas, about the conference. Thank you, George. I'm happy to be here and to be talking with you and your listeners. Where are you from originally, Thomas? This was the first question I might ask you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud Tipperary man uh, from a great parish in mid-tip called Lockmore Castellini, and mm. nestled nicely between Templemore and Thurles. Um, surprisingly, for the part of the country it's in, we're a jewel, if you like, both hurling and football. Um, um, oh. With uh, with great names like Noel McGrath and his brothers Brian, the Ormans and so many others, uh, 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 um, um, being being neighbours of ours at home in 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 Lockmore. And you're from farming stock yourself, Thomas? Yeah, surely. So so um, not directly, but all the but but my all my uncles and um, my grandparents are all farming stock. So so um, um, look, it's 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 embedded in who we are. That's it. And uh, what uh, prompted you to do? It's ag you did, Thomas, isn't it? I did, yeah, yeah. I'm um, like so many. Um, so I did agricultural science in UCD, you know, yeah. and and um, you know, from <clears throat> from a young age, I was lucky enough to be farming with with neighbours at home, um, yeah. and I think um, it was almost a natural progression. You know, you 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 get bit by the bug. You, it's a great way of life, but you want to support that with maybe the technical knowledge that goes with that. And isn't that the great value of an agricultural science degree, the broad breadth of it um, and the ability of that agricultural science degree because of its broad scope to open so many career progression opportunities within the sector? Absolutely. Now, you have a fairly broad um, uh, work path as well, if you know what I mean, a career path. Uh, so where did you start, uh, uh, Thomas, uh, after you graduated? Yeah, so so um, I started off on the Kerry Group Graduate Program, <clears throat> and I worked for a number of years in sales and operations in the food business um, um, with Kerry, um, and then moved into the whole area of, of advocacy and policy development with the Irish Farmers Association. And currently, <clears throat> I'm in a really exciting role uh, with Glanbia uh, as their Senior Sustainability Manager. It, the whole area of sustainability is we'll all appreciate is very much in vogue um, it's on topic and i think i find myself with the unique opportunity of being able to work directly with our suppliers here in Zambia to be able to build on the existing actions and measures that they're taking uh, and also uh, increase the rate and pace at which we take actions in response to 
what our politicians have declared a climate and biodiversity emergency, but also use the opportunity to work with our suppliers to help them articulate the many positive actions they're taking, which are often taken for granted, whether that's part of the ESTAS program, uh, uh, the Origin Green Borbia ESTAS program, whether that's involved in, for example, the, the, the collaboration Zambia has with Chagas around the Future Farm program, or indeed, look, education, the, the Sustainable Farming Academy, or even the most recent sustainability farm, uh, sustainable farm payment we've introduced. So all these yeah. positive actions our suppliers are taking, really the ability to empower them to speak up and speak out for themselves as regards the actions they're taking to future-proof their business and by extension, helping us future-proof ours. Very good. And I suppose, Thomas, uh, that's just a flavour maybe of some of the issues and topics you want to cover on the panel at the conference on the 8th of September in the Lyrath Hotel. Listen, uh, without any further... Sorry, Thomas, without any further ado there, I'll, um, I'll uh, wish you the very best of luck and look, look forward to seeing you on the 8th of September. Thank you, George. Really looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, on, on this episode of Experts in Their Field, we're joined by uh, Dr. John Roach, uh, Chief Science Advisor in the Ministry of Primary Industries in New Zealand and Establishment Director of On-Farm Support Services. John, you've uh, moved around a bit uh, from your early days in Kerry. Maybe take us back to where it all started um, back in the early 70s. Yeah, back in the early 70s. Uh, I, I don't remember much of that, George, although my father tells me it was a really fine summer's day in July. And uh, he regards it as being as being lucky because um, he, he had a liquid milk business as well as milking cows. He was delivering milk uh, to shops. They were bottling milk. And um, when his business partner dropped him off at the hospital to go and visit my mother, he found a crisp five pound note inside his pocket that had gone through the wash. When it had survived. So he thought, well, that's got to be a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bring many five pound notes with me after that. I think I spent more than I brought back to him. Putting, um, coming from a farm background, didn't put you off doing ag science, uh, John, did it? No, no, George. Look, I, 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 love, I love farming. I loved farming back then. I, I remember uh, writing a, a paper for the Irish Grassland Association back in, I think it was 2015. January 2015, and as I was sitting down to write that, you know, I, I got nostalgic and um, really couldn't even remember a day of rain in in my youth when I was, um, you know, uh, growing up in Kerry, which anyone that has been to Kerry obviously knows that's highly unlikely. Although the 1970s were dry, um, that all changed, of course, in the 1980s, and, and on from there we got plenty of rain. But I um, had heard quite a bit about the egg science degree um, and um, yeah, just took the plunge. I hopped on the train when I was, I just turned 17 and uh, headed, to the, headed to the big smoke. Yeah. General Ag, John, was it? Uh, I did animal production. Uh, okay. So we, we, we were the last, I think we were the last of the, what they call the old rags. The old regs, uh, exactly. So we all start off as general ag, obviously, in first and second year. And then um, I think it was seven or eight of us specialized in animal production uh, for the, the final two years. Where to from there, John? Uh, so from there, went home for the summer and um, got a phone call from Miles Rath, our dairy lecturer, um, sometime in August. I, I still remember the day we were, we were drenching 
calves. And uh, and uh, he told me that there was masters going in Park and that I should apply. Miles and I had had a lot of conversations around extended grazing management, New Zealand style grazing systems. And um, and this this masters was with Pat Dillon and that it would be in the area of extended grazing in the autumn and tar early turnout dates in the spring. And so I, I rang um, Moorpark, uh, they told me to come up for a chat and I went up the next day and um, I suppose the rest is history. I spent two wonderful years in Moorpark learning a large amount about grassland farming yep. and um, developing a, a great love for science. So I have to credit Pat Dillon for that. I'm sure there's probably some people around the world that would curse him for it, but um, you know, he's <laughs> Uh, a great love of science in me and uh yeah i've never looked back yeah great guy so that was the masters then you went on to the phd john did you? yeah so at the end of my masters in moorpark i was i was offered a scientist position in australia with the department of ag in victoria and uh the sweetener was that they would facilitate me doing a phd as well okay and so um went out to australia in 1995 just after yeah. the rosa tree and um yeah start, spent spent five years there uh did a phd in nutritional biochemistry um focusing very heavily in on on preventing milk fever in the yeah. dry cow dry very early lactation cow yeah and um yeah at the end of that i was offered a position at ruakura and considering the the conversations myself and miles rath had when I was an undergraduate at UCD and um, the the uh, uh, attraction to Ruakura as a research station, again, I couldn't say no. Huge opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. I'd say, John, that uh, Miles was kind of formative in my uh, love of passion for dairying as well. I thought he was just a brilliant guy. Really, really enjoyed him. Um, really, really enjoyed him as well, yeah. Uh, Off to Ruakura, John. Over to Hamilton. Yep. And uh, back in... Back before the the real boom in in dairy in the South Island, um, but you could you could almost feel the energy in the system. You know there was yeah. the, the, dairying was ready to go and grow, and it was a great time to join. Milk prices just started to rise, rise to a level that that um, and and of course, you know farmers had come out of the the troubles of the 1980s as they had in Ireland in terms of high interest rates, high inflation, um, through the 1990s mining mining uh, their assets and and developing their businesses and so there was this opportunity for expansion in the early 2000s so it was a, a fantastic time to go to new zealand and you know learn from uh, learn from the best of the best uh so joined rokura at the start of 2000 uh spent most of my time working at number one dairy which is where the famous uh, milking machine developments were and the famous uh, yeah. electric fence etc and uh, but did a lot of work at number two dairy as well um where where uh, arnold bryant had made famous after uh mac meekin and carter and campbell had made it famous for being one of the greatest uh, research stations in the world for applied farm system science yeah absolutely so this was the early noughties then john uh you were in rural Cora for a number of years and what happened then so in 2006, I got the opportunity to um, uh, go to the University of Tasmania. Uh, so Dairy Australia and Meat and Livestock Australia were willing to co-fund the chair for me at the University of Tasmania. 
And uh, so again, I, I packed my bags. I'd, I'd been in New Zealand for six years, learned a lot, really enjoyed it. Um, and at that stage, I was looking towards, I had been involved in farm development in New Zealand as well through the early noughties. And I was looking at the opportunity for farm development in the United States. Um, so uh, yeah, we were, it, it was, we were still young, but myself and my wife were young. We had one son who was a year old. And at that stage, he had done, I think it was 25 flights before his first birthday. So he was a trotter as well. So we thought nothing about picking up sticks and um, and moving across the Tasmania, yeah. which, which again was great. You know, a, a, a part of the Australian dairy industry that was really starting to grow and had great opportunity to grow. Yeah, and it was all up in the north that the of Tasmania, that the growth was taking place. You were probably down in Hobart, were you? No, no, I was up in the north. I was up in Burnie, up in the northwest, oh, yeah. which is which was a traditional dairy area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of the growth was out towards the northeast, where there was water for irrigation, there was land, and um, yeah, a great opportunity. Probably the greatest uh, competitor to dairy was uh, pyrethrum and opium poppy production right. for pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, very good. So, how long did you spend in Tasmania, then, John? I spent 18 months in Tasmania. It didn't quite work out the way we had intended in terms of uh, research funding. And um, uh, Dairy NZ was, was, was being formed um, from the two legacy organizations. It was being brought together. I really yep. liked what was happening there. And there was an opportunity for me to go back and take up a principal scientist position Correct. there. So we went back to Hamilton in late 2007. You've been effectively in Hamilton ever since, John. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, apart from seven, we spent seven months in Ireland in 2013, um, where, uh, yeah, again, you you and I spent uh, quite a bit of time mulling over data about the, the profitability of farm intensification. So, That's right. Great, great times. Great times. That's another um, day. Yeah. So still living in Hamilton, but uh, working uh, three to four days a week in Wellington. Uh, so uh, trying to make that work from a from a family perspective and uh, obviously uh, trying to add value from a government official perspective. Yeah, so when did the call come to join the Ministry of Primary Industries then, John? Yeah, interestingly enough, it came <laughs> when I was in Dubai Airport on my way back from Ireland uh, back in uh, very late 2017. Yes, to very late 2017. Yep. And um, I just, like I said, I was in transit, but what they were describing as a position, the chief science advisor uh, on the senior leadership team of a very large government ministry, the opportunity to get across the entire primary sector. So NPI not only covers agriculture, it covers biosecurity, which is huge in New Zealand, obviously, fisheries, food safety, forestry, um, and, uh, and, and and agriculture and horticulture. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And within that, John, to get across the entire food production. Absolutely. Within that, then, there's two things I want you to focus on for a minute. Uh, the first is tell us a story about biosecurity because you kind of the minute you joined the um, MPI, this uh, the the whole thing blew up then on the. <laughs> well, I, I think it had blown up beforehand. Um, so, uh, at, at the end of July in 2017, um, uh, a vet a vet to a South Island dairy farm. I had been called in because of persistent and recurring mastitis in the dairy herd yeah. and her attempts to solve it failed and so she reached out to some of the experts at massey university who encouraged her to um 
the logit with NPI that it sounded quite suspicious, and in fact, it sounded like Mycoplasma bovis. Yeah. Um, a, a day's a day's testing confirmed it was Mycoplasma bovis, and we were a country that was free of Mycoplasma bovis up to that point. And so, uh, for the next uh, ten months, uh, we went into response mode to try and ascertain how widely spread it was, whether it could be managed or whether it could be eradicated again. And um, in at the end of May, May twenty eighth. 2018, two days before I joined the ministry, uh, the government made the brave decision, what I believe was the brave decision, to eradicate. Um, and uh, an old Irish epidemiologist who's based out in New Zealand wrote to me an actual physical letter, which I don't get too many of anymore, uh, in July. Uh, he had been involved in the brucellosis eradication schemes in Ireland, and he said we were making exactly the right decision, that you can always go into long-term management after a failed eradication. But you can't do the opposite, yeah. and so it was a, a really good opportunity. Um, and we, um, yeah, we took it. Um, obviously, you know, largest response we'd ever been involved in. Um, we didn't do everything right at the start. Uh, we got a new director general in who asked me to review some of the aspects of the program, and then we made a, a plan to turn it around and turned it around. And at this stage, we've got one one herd that we're currently depopulating and um, no no other herd positive. So looking really good on the prospect of full eradication. After four years? After four, Well, after five years since its incursion, but four okay. years since the decision to eradicate. Yeah. yeah the, the, and we always said it was going to be a 10-year journey. Um, you, yeah, you, absolutely. You can, you can eradicate these things quickly. One of the problems with Mycoplasma bovis is there isn't a great test because it's a bacteria yeah. It That's tends right. to hide from, from the immune system. Yeah. And so the animals have to be actively shedding to be able to detect it in the herd. Yeah, it's, it'll be fairly impressive if you do manage to eliminate it, uh, John. It'll be really, 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 really impressive. The second one then, John, I want to just touch on, I know you'll, you'll touch on this in greater detail in at the conference, is the whole issue of the environmental uh, issues and concerns that are that are rising in New Zealand. Maybe just take us through what's going on there. Maybe just a, a brief summary of it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it's 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 probably the same. You, you you're very familiar with this in Ireland as well. Uh, fresh water and greenhouse gases and biodiversity are probably the three key environmental um, concerns that affect landowners, that affect farmers and growers. Um, uh, water quality is declining in in a number of our lowland streams in New Zealand, and the government has made a commitment to cease further degradation and return those rivers to a healthy state within okay. a generation. So that's the, wow. that's the plan. And so that recognizes the need for time to put into effect the mitigation strategies. And of course, the attenuation um, phase of, of uh, nutrients as they move their way through the soil profile and yep. return to um, receiving waterways. So that's that. So that, that although that might sound sound like a long time uh, in a generation, that's just recognizing the time that it will take um, yeah. to to see that, that level of return. Um, and so each regional council, a bit like the county council in Ireland, are responsible for the waterways, the catchments within their own council. Yeah. Um, and they have to give effect to the national policy statement on fresh water, which is about returning those waterways to. Um, Good, good, a good state. From a greenhouse gas perspective, like everybody else, we, we've signed up to Paris, we signed up to Kyoto, we are committed to reducing our greenhouse gas footprint. 
I suppose, different to uh, every other developed country that I know of, at least, we, uh, in our climate, our uh, zero carbon act, we separated methane from nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide. So we, we recognized that A, methane comes from, uh, the, from carbon dioxide that's been sequestered in photosynthesis into grass. So it's a short cycle and yeah. that it has a short lifespan in the atmosphere. Now it has a, war a strong warming potential in yeah. that life. And so we still have to take note of that, but we have separated methane out and nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide and our methane will have to drop to between 24 and 47 percent uh, by 2050 and by 10 percent by 2030. The 24 to 40 percent percent is still a range while the science becomes more certain on what is actually needed for methane to drop to to not have an atmospheric warming effect and then nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide will have to go to net zero. So they can be offset by trees and sequestration. Methane is a gross reduction that will have to occur. Okay, so a lot going on there on the greenhouse gas front, John. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. Look at um, ladies and gentlemen. With that, uh, I'll just remind you that John uh, Roach here that I was speaking to will be one of our speakers and panelists at the ASA conference on Thursday, the eighth of September at the Lyrath Hotel. We delighted, we'd be delighted if you were able to come and join us at the event and booking through the usual ASA website uh, links is, is available. Thank you very much, John. That's great. Pleasure.